This is the Robbie G Podcast, episode number six. This episode features Janelle Stone. He runs a company called Farm to Fork. I had a chance to meet him when I was out in Ottawa on tour. We'll get right into it. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, share, keep listening. Yo, this is the Maestro Fresh West. We're chilling with Robbie G. The boy Joel Ortiz, and you already know I'm rocking out with my dude. Yo, what up? It's the Kid Mercules. Hey, yo, this is the one and only R.A. the Rugged Man. This your man's O.B. Trice. Yo, this is Double Faction. You're listening to, and you're listening to Robbie G. Robbie G. Robbie G. You already know what it is, man. Hey, Robbie, how are you? I am well. I am good. I am doing fine. Good. How are you? Can you hear me? Okay. I got uh, Google earbuds on. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, okay, perfect. Awesome, man. How's the tour going? Tour is going amazing. Yes, it's uh, good. It's, I'm happy it's been, for you guys. It's good. It's been great. Every show has been uh, solid. The fans have been having a, a good time, and it's nice to see people smiling and stuff like that. So just, just lo- spreading some energy. Yeah. yeah. How was uh, like the other? How are the other shows so far? Ottawa seemed a little. I just comparison to other cities. I don't know, like. It it was it was lighter in Ottawa. It was like I think maybe I keep losing you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you yeah. now. Um, Ottawa was a little lighter than some of the other ones. I think we can only do okay. fifty capacity total, and yeah. I think in Ottawa they kept it a little bit smaller than that because they're about to go into red zone. Um, okay. The the day after, but yeah, I mean every show's been pretty much sold out tonight. We've got another show in London. It's sold out with fifty people. <clears throat> Tomorrow's sold out in St. Catharines. Um, same awesome. thing with Guelph the next night. So, I mean, we're we're getting in as as many people as we can. Um, and yeah, I mean the crowd in Ottawa was f- amazing though. Everybody who came out was just mm-hmm. full of energy and yeah. Yeah, anybody that, everybody that came there was they wanted to be there. Yeah, you know they were there. They were there for so, it. Thank you good. for thank you for coming out and for sticking around for checking out my set and stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm happy. It was it was exciting to meet you guys, and I'm glad I did, and we made that connection, and glad that you guys are doing well. So I think that's cool. You guys are starting to pick up traction. So yeah, yeah, it's good. It's it's uh, it's going good. Obviously, right now, I think the whole country is going to move to a point where I think things are going to shut down again, like all across the board. I feel like that's coming by the end of this year. I don't, I don't, I don't want to yeah. predict anything a hundred percent, but that's what it feels like I, it's pushing towards. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're correct. I mean, especially with the change, the shift in the election. Whatever happens here at the end of the year, it's, we'll know. Like whoever yeah. gets in and how when that dust settles. In the U.S., because I think that's going to play a role in what goes on here in Canada too. Hundred percent. And this vaccine that that's coming out, or the a couple of vaccines that's coming out, I think they really need to lock the country yeah, down before they're going to be able to convince people. I'm not going to be taking the vaccine. I'm hoping that this is one perspective I've heard that most of the people that will get it, it will help the di- the virus die off, which would make sense, right? Because then people will be vaccinated, so there'd be less hosts for the virus, and then it's just the virus kind of dies off at that point. But I have a feeling with, and this is not putting on my conspiracy hat, that they're really going to push this virus, which there's not, you know, with the science behind it now and the recovery rate and the age group that affects, there'd be no reason to, to force people to take it. And I hope that's not the case, because that's now we're going down a, we're going to a place that's not good, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. When they force forcing human beings, yeah. yeah to, so it's scary. It's scary yeah. when it gets to that point. Oh, 
yeah, it's very scary or you can't travel. You have to have something on your passport, whatever that is, you know, it's just not, not cool. No. So, so you're on so, the, you're on the side of no, like once it comes out, you're like, I'm not taking that. No, not taking it. Not going to take that at all. So even if it limits so, your ability to travel, if you, if you have to take it to travel, uh, will you do it? That's, that's, the, that's the hard question. Travel, I, I don't know. I'd have to cross that bridge at that time. So, but I'm very anti against putting something in my body that, one, I don't know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Two, the things that I have learned about it are not good. And three, I'm very, I'm a very health conscious person and very selective about what I put on my body, what I put on my my hair, what deodorant I use, everything. So, you know, it's not, you know, I I've studied over the years, you know, things having to do with nutrition and food and diet and stuff and. I know it works and I know it doesn't work. And, you know, I can see that going on in society. Like you just, you become aware of that and you see people walking around and how unhealthy everybody looks. And so, you know, has to do with what they consume and what they put in your body. It's, you know, what, yeah. what goes in creates what yeah. you are. So, you know, you are what you yeah, eat that's right. and you yeah. are, you are what yeah. you wear on your body, your skin, everything like that. So that's, that's good. I know. Yeah. And with your business, obviously with what you do, the, the products that you deliver to people, I mean, that, that I just, philosophy I just is probably, lost, Jeff. go ahead. Would you say again, repeat I that say with, first part? with the products and, and the business that you do, that's probably a big part of who you are and, you know, caring about the, the type of meat that you consume right this the farm to fork for those that don't know who's who are listening in um if you can tell the people a little bit about what it is that that your company does what farm to fork does so farm to fork we are a direct to consumer e-commerce business what that means is we deliver right to the consumer we're not a we're not wholesale we're retail so our products are for retail consumers uh, we're an online store, so that's what e-commerce is. So it's a digital platform. You can go on the website, you can order our products, and we deliver right to your home. We service Ottawa, Montreal, and surrounding areas. And then through another company, we ship meat up to Nunavut, and we service about 10 communities up there, Oh wow! which is a great opportunity because it allows those communities to have an alternative to what – the choices that they do have up there, which is oftentimes is just the lowest quality for the highest price. That's usually how a lot of the business models run up there. Mm-hmm. That is changing a little bit, but so we've done really well. We've fit into a niche uh, for people that are looking for the type of quality. They're also looking for the transparency associated with products too. And that, that's a big part of what we focus on is, you know, not all of our products fall under the, naturally raised we have three different categories so we have naturally raised which would be organic uh non-organic but they're all free from what free from means is raised with antibiotics free to roam animals uh the uh raised without add no added hormones chickens air chilled you know certified humane and those those value systems that's what i call the value systems that are associated with with the beef chicken and pork mm-hmm. that we offer and then our cut above line is for the barbecue uh, aficionados and also those looking for, you know, a steak that you get in a five-star, you know, restaurant in Vegas, like a, you know, a high-end steakhouse. And that would be beef that is aged 28 days. And also we have dry aged too. And then we offer Japanese. We're the only company in Ottawa that I know that's offering real Japanese A5 Wagyu. 
And uh, we also offer like tom the long bone tomahawks for both pork and for beef. We do ribeyes too. And then we have a, a, a sustainably sourced seafood line. And that consists of seafood that, that is uh, caught in Canada and processed in Canada because a lot of seafood that you get nowadays is sent over to the Asian countries uh, to get processed, cut, packaged, and sent back to save money on labor. And they use all sorts of different chemical sprays and preservatives and ice glazes and everything else on any and anything under the sun. And uh, we also try to focus on sustainable fishing practices and like our salmon for example is wild we don't offer farm-raised salmon and uh so what we're about is it you know we got something for everybody everybody i believe in the gamut for meat and seafood and then at the same time you have customers that you know will the order off our naturally raised menu our product line the order from that like say chicken breast but then they also want really good steaks so then they're offer they'll they'll order the uh AAA items too that are aged and or dry aged so it's just uh, all the different collections crossover what we're about is transparency like i want to be as transparent as possible that's something you don't find in the stores for the most part is there's not a lot of transparency you can't walk in the store walk up the meat counter ask the the uh the employee there that's behind the meat counter and he doesn't know what's going on. He just mm-hmm. like, Oh, well it came in a Cargill box. That's all I know. And we cut it or came from the distribution center and, or a lot of these stores that have their own private label, uh, through their, through like a Sobeys and other where they have uh, different lines of beef. And, uh, it's still, there's no really, there's no transparency that's associated with that label or that marketing label. And you don't really know where it's coming from or Mm -hmm. where it was processed, where it was grown. So that's what we, we want to focus on. And we're, we've been filling that niche now since 2014 and we're growing exponentially because I feel like, you know, there's a couple different things in play. One people are, you know, COVID has really projected that into the future, but people are starting to, Really, the uh, the whole uh, factor of being able to get delivery to home mm-hmm. and is is some yeah is something that people are really into now and you know they were pre COVID it was you know starting to pick up steam but now it's really and we've had people stick around. Two consumers are looking for transparency. They want to be they want to be in charge of their choices with their buying choices and knowing what went into this product and how it was produced, whether it was meat or something else, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, and then we try to offer the best quality that we can to for the best value too. So you get a different experience than what you typically get from buying from a big box grocery store. So that's everything in a nutshell, kind of what we do. There's a lot, quite a bit more, but that's, uh, that's who we are and that's how we operate. And that's what we do. Oh, I'm excited to check out some of the products. I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen all your all your socials and stuff, and it looks incredible. It looks really good. I've never personally had wagyu, so that's one of the things that I'm very excited to try off of uh, off the site at some point. Um, but even just the way that y- your your chicken looks in comparison to anything that you're gonna get like store bought, it's you know it's just a a whole different level. And um, I think it matters. It does matter what the way that the the animals are processed. Um, um, it's funny you mentioned Cargill. Um, you're just like you know these these people in the in the stores. They don't know. You know, it just shows up in a Cargill box and 
that it is what it is. I had the experience of working in a Cargill plant before, like years ago um, at one of the slaughterhouses. And I had just recently been t- having a conversation with one of my friends about it because they were just, they were interested. They were like, what was that like? And I'll, it's it's not a pretty sight, you know what I mean? Like the way that these animals are processed. I mean, all animals are processed in a certain way. You've got to do do your thing. But I mean, it does not feel like a a very clean, safe, humane environment um, working in those those factories and in that that kind of environment. It's just uh, it's 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 very gross and i mean i'm sure that uh, the stuff that you're getting it seems like you really care about you know how it's being raised like the chickens are not probably those like factory type chickens where they're all cooped in tiny little hens and they can't move anywhere their whole life like um yeah that kind of stuff that i think the the food picks like there's energy that's involved in that and then you end up eating and consuming that and then you get that mm-hmm. same feeling that those animals were feeling while they were being raised Yes, there's definitely some science to that, and there's definitely, I, I strongly believe that also, and I do believe that uh, a lot of agriculture is definitely broken, and that there are other ways, and that is coming to the light, and there's actually money and funding starting to be put into, from governments to, into more regenerative programs, so for agriculture. So I don't think that the whole like, you know, let's just stop eating meat would save the planet. And I don't, and, you know, because it's the, at the same time, if you look at agriculture that has to do with monocropping, like with soy and canola and, you know, a lot of these things that are meat alternatives that these type of like soy that goes into a lot of these products and oils and is you're doing the same kind of damage with that kind of agriculture that you are with farm with big farming even more. So if you look at the science, so not just go on the feelings and what social media told you, somebody that posted something, you actually look at the science behind it. So I think where we just need to come into where it's a more holistic approach where uh, the farming of crops coincides with the raising of animals and how there's a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. that could be obtained that was used and still is used in, you know, in agriculture on a smaller level. So, and I still feel like you can feed the population of the masses at the same time. Totally. Agriculture as a whole, I feel is a really, uh, a scary industry now. I mean, just talking with different farmers and stuff like that about what's, what's happening with, um, you know, different crops and, and how, you know, they're, they're over, over producing on the lands and trying to get so much yield out of these crops that they're literally like destroying the land that they're growing the crops on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can totally imagine you having to see like people arguing the point of like, Hey, let's, you know, don't eat meat, focus on eating crops. But it's like, you don't understand that if we just focus on that, it's the way that crops are being, uh, grown now and being produced. It's at a, at an extraordinarily, um, detrimental rate to the to the planet and i don't well think yeah because what you the soil it's not yeah sustainable. let me interject so the the soil you you can't produce once you destroy the soil you, you there's no you can't mm-hmm. it's not like you can you know you can make new soil like that you just you can't like once you destroy certain layers of soil it's you're done usually on that piece of land mm-hmm. and you don't get that back you know so they have to do all these things that constantly are manipulating the soil and that's where GMO crops and yeah, agriculture, you know, that comes into play and, you know, 
there's different science on that too. I, I tend to not, I don't eat anything that's genetically modified. You know, I strong believer that your body, when you put that in your body, your body doesn't really recognize that and know what that is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it rejects it, it causes inflammation and other things. And, you know, for me personally, and I can only speak for me when I, if I eat anything that is like, you know, that is, has wheat in it or, you know, that's anything breads or, you know, anything like that, that's carbs related to that. Usually if it's been GMO produced or even vegetables too, I can tell right away, like my body, I can, I get inflammation and my body rejects it. You know, it doesn't matter how tasty it is or anything like that. You know, within about an hour, I can tell, like I get bloated and, you know, and the funny thing is like most people don't believe you. Is because you know I once ate like that all the time, so most people are walking around in a constant state of inflammation all the time. So they really don't even know what that is until they start down that path and they start eating foods uh, that were grown the way that they were meant to, and processed and prepared the way that they were supposed to. You know, w- without the use of pesticides or GMOs. I feel that I feel that for sure. I mean, I can I can notice a difference in myself even when I change up my diet or change up the the foods that I eat from, you know, processed stuff and GMO stuff to just eating good organic healthy stuff. And one thing I want to ask you is what's your opinion on dairy because that's something that um for me I was like heavily addicted to drinking milk like constantly i had to go through like at least a couple liters almost every day and i know i heard I that t- in your podcast yeah, your I, got, other I got yeah, yeah i got got rid of that addiction and uh and it's it's i feel like it's changed changed my life really and changed me physically um are you do, do you mess with dairy products at all or like drink milk or is that something that you stay stay away from in your diet so yeah, I don't drink milk. I don't do well with milk. Yogurt, like grass-fed yogurt, that's plain. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I eat a ton of, and I mix that in with some hemp hearts and chia seeds and fruit. Okay. That's kind of like my little jam nice. that I do when I can't prepare meat. And I don't have an issue with it. I think dairy, a lot of times, too, it, I mean, one, I think you have to you would want to consume organic dairy. Yeah. I think there's just different processes that go into organic and non-organic. And... Uh, you know, I, I think it just depends on your body chemistry, you know, as far as when you consume any kind of dairy products, how you react to it. You know, I don't react to milk. I react kind of funny too. now that I haven't drank milk for a long time. And if I do drink milk, but the, uh, as far as like, I'll eat, I eat occasionally eat some cheese and, and then the yogurt I do eat quite a bit. And then kefir is another thing that I, I, I love. I drink a lot of, so like organic kefir, just because it's so high in, in uh, probiotics, too. What is kefir? So, I, I've seen it on the uh, shelf, but I've never tried it. Like, what is it? You know actually? what? I'm not exactly sure. I think it's a, what it is. It's like the cream, the top layer that's, that comes off of the uh, the milk product. You know, I, I couldn't really tell you, so I'm not going to speak on that. I just know that it, it's something that I've it's been in my diet since I was younger. Like, my parents would drink it, and I always came to know that it was something that you did that was – you know, that was healthy. So, and I feel like it, it's healthy for me. Uh, you know, like I said, I, some people react to dairy differently than others. Mm-hmm. My son, he doesn't, he can't have dairy products. He acts funny. Like he'll, he'll he actually changes his whole behavior. Really? <laughs> you know, which I don't know how to explain that, but yeah, 
So we found when he was younger that when he would eat dairy products, it would actually even change his behavior. In what way? So we like, don't really how like he would just get more erratic in his thinking process and the way his behaviors and he would act more erratic and huh and even more emotional and stuff was and we never were able to get answers on that and tie that in. I don't know if some other people have had the same experiences too. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I think maybe when you got get a little older, you wouldn't notice that as much, but maybe in kids you would because they're not as emotionally developed. So you would see more of the mm-hmm. stressors going on, you know, with something in a behavioral change or, you know, nutritional change. And so with behavior. And so, you, you noticed like instant, like if you, if you didn't have milk, it was kind of like a different, different thing, like different behavior patterns. Yeah. Yeah, because uh-huh. like, he didn't drink a lot of milk. So when he would drink milk, we would notice it. Definitely notice it right away when he was younger. Wow. So and then we recently, we were allowing him to have organic chocolate milk and his lunches recently and stuff. We even just took that out. So because just, I don't feel like it's healthy for him. I don't, I don't, I think dairy as a whole is not very healthy, especially milk. I And I don't really notice the difference. I don't know the difference between like a really good yogurt or a kefir than milk as far as I don't know what, you know, why that is different you know in the processes or how maybe it's made or would affect your body differently from one to the other i'm not sure well I, i'm i'm just glad that i've stopped it now from for myself as a whole i'm just like i feel like it's it's definitely helped me not not so doing, let me ask you a question you say it helped you out like what what was it doing that was causing your butt was it like weight gain was it was the energy level was it like all yeah yeah all that for sure i mean i felt like um well definitely i've just leaned down as a whole um also from doing like intermittent fasting and stuff like that but most like i feel like a lot from 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 cutting the milk out but that was definitely helping me just not having any dairy products just i feel like lighter and if not sluggish you know what i mean i felt like that having milk was was giving me that energy and I don't know I don't know what what was the trigger or what made the switch happen for me because it's still something that I love to drink I love the taste of I like chocolate milk too I like regular milk I just like drinking it but for some reason it was really impeding my progress um physically like every time i'm going to the gym or working out or you know going for a run drinking milk is literally just doing the opposite of what i was doing it would just like keep me at the yeah. same level you know what I mean? and once i cut that out i just saw you know excess fat just kind of shredding off and me leaning down and yeah I yes because especially if helped. you're drinking milk that's not whole milk like milk that's been processed and the fats have been taken out of it that it's going to convert to sugar a lot faster in your body. So you're consuming like a shit ton of sugar yeah. with that much milk, Basically. you know, which is like yes. with anything else, like that is sugar or processed sugars or, you know, same thing if you sat and drank like, it's like drinking pure sugar, you know, it's like if you drank juice that has been pasteurized and has no fiber in it, like, you know, or juiced fruits constantly all the time. It's not good for you either, you know, because you're taking out the fiber part of it. So your body can't tell when it's satiated because that's what the fiber does, right? The, the matter, it tells your body, like you, you put so much of the fiber in there, it's like, oh, we're done. Mm-hmm. You know, with juices and stuff, you don't get that because all the fiber's been taken out of that when stuff's juiced. And so liquids like that too, that have a ton of sugar like that, it's it's very counterproductive, uh, to, especially if you're on a 
on a diet, you know, our nutritional regimen, you know, it requires you to lose weight. I mean, for me, that's not, that's not good. Cause I feel like I'm switching to juice now. I'm drinking apple juice a lot. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was just like, I cut out milk, but now I'm drinking. I like, I, I like the taste of apple juice. And now that you're saying this, I'm like, fuck, am I just substituting that sugar high Pretty that much. was happening with the milk with the, with the sugar high from the uh, apple juice? Luckily I'm, I'm still able to get leaner, but I mean, that's, that's definitely. I mean, Robbie's one is better now. than the other. The milk is definitely, there's probably other things that were impeding you that were involved in the milk. Yes. Than than fruit sugars coming from fruit. Yes. I believe so, that. I believe. Yeah. That. Let me ask you a question. Intermittent fasting. How do you, cause I do that most of the week. I won't, eat in the morning mm-hmm. and then i wait till about 11 to 1 till i eat my first meal which mm-hmm. is usually like a very protein dense meal how does that make you feel like with your intermittent fasting i love it what, what changes have you noticed um energy levels are higher surprisingly um which is uh, you know something that you think is not the case especially if i mm-hmm. go like running or exercising i like to do it on an empty stomach like i haven't ate anything and then i'm i'm going and i'm and i'm doing something that's exerting energy but i'm not relying on the food that i just ate i'm relying on whatever energy pockets that are still there in my body that need to like get out you know what i mean so i feel like it's Mm -hmm. a uh it's a cleanse in a sense and it uses up excess energy that because i feel if if this makes sense i feel like um our bodies are like if we put something into it, it's got to get processed. Like the in in an energetic There's sense, it comes yeah, that, it, right? it comes into so. us. It's got to get processed, and then it's got to get out. And most most times, people just put it in. It gets processed a little bit. A little bit of it comes out, and then all of a sudden, more comes on top of it, and it just keeps compounding uh-huh. and compounding and compounding, and all of that energy gets stagnant, stagnant, and like staying inside of us. And it yeah. needs to be processed. It needs to be used. Like the reason that we eat food, the reason that we drink stuff. And, and get nutrients is so that our body can function and can work and can all of the, the different body parts can move and, and all the, the cells and blood vessels and everything can all run and, and our heart can beat and everything like that's why we eat we eat so that we can live and, and it keeps our body going and it's energy exactly like you said so it's it, it makes sense that you've got to go through that energy and expel that energy and use that energy and if you don't if you don't use it through physical exercise through get you know um movement and and, and kinetic energy then you're you're just staying stagnant and that energy just keeps building and building and that's that's what happens when people become obese um they're not letting that energy that's exactly why out. people become obese it's exactly why because it's and it, it has to do with the type of food they're eating and how nutrient dense it is too Mm-hmm. So, because something that's not nutrient dense, that's not necessarily good for you or processed or grown a certain way, your body isn't going to break it down as fast. Something that your body is more pure and form, your body's going to identify that because it aligns with nature and who we are and what we're made out of. And mm-hmm. your body's going to break that down a lot faster. That's why it's like people are like, well, why do you eat? It's expensive to eat that way. Well, yes, it is. So we shift our value system and I don't do other things, but my food is very important to me. Like, that's the one thing I think about is if I didn't have money, like why is one of the reasons why I work hard and do stuff? Because I want to be able to not have that food insecurity to know that I can eat a certain way. Not everybody can do that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to become 
seem like I'm being pompous or anything, you know, but I work hard so I can, that's one of my main reasons for working hard is so we can take certain supplements that I know work for me and I can eat a certain way. And I find when I eat nutrient dense food, I don't have to eat that much mm-hmm. and I don't overeat. You know, I just eat what I need to eat and I, my body performs better because it's not constantly in the state of like, I need to break this down. I need to, you know, and then it needs to get out. I need to break it down. I need to get it out. And uh, you also find that you're a lot hungrier too when you're not eating nutrient dense food that's better for you, that's packed with nutrients because your your body's like, okay, cool, we got what needed, we're satiated, we're good. That's why when you go eat something like from any fast food restaurant or anything like that, it tastes great, but then you're like hungry like an hour later, you know, a lot of times, you know, and there's a reason for that. You know, yeah. one is the quality of food, two, it's a lot of it's sugar based and these oils and things like that. And the sugar just takes you and drops you. And then you're like, okay, well, I need more to sustain. I need more energy. So I'm going to go eat something again like that. So, and it's funny too, with the intermittent fasting, I all, when I get home and I eat my first meal, cause I start out pretty early, you know, for the most part, I don't always do it, but I do it about three to four times a week where I try to do that. It, I have all this energy and then I'm like, oh, well, I got to eat. It's 11 to one. And then I go to eat. And then also my body's like, okay, cool. It's time to relax. <laughs> and then I like lose my, it's it's funny, like the energy of food should be brought from the energy, but my body's also is saying, okay, well, I needed some time just, you know, we were in this mode where we were like, we didn't need that food and we're in energy mode and, you know, in a, but now it's like you're eating and now we need to, we need to slow down again. That's the one thing I noticed. It was like right away, you can tell as soon as you eat that first meal, then almost your energy levels go down a little bit for a while. You yeah. know, when you're really in tune with that, when you're not eating as much, you know. Totally. So, totally. You just want to chill out when you eat after, like, you know, you don't want to really be doing too much. Cause, uh, yeah. cause yeah, I mean, you went and I'm the same, but like I'll get in, uh, in, in a mode and just go, 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 go. So if I'm on the road touring or whatever, or even just in the studio working, like I'll start working on something and go six, seven, eight hours without eating anything sometimes without even drinking anything i'll have like maybe a glass of water with me but like just go without anything and then all of a sudden boom i need that i need that thing and then yeah Yeah. like you said have something that's that's packed with some good nutrients that you know i'm not snacking on stuff and constantly eating you just have that one meal boom you knock it out and then you're you're pretty much good to go but like you said the there is a reason why these companies have products that are not you know products that are going to make you feel like you just got your nutritional value out of it and you're good you're set you need to keep coming back because well, they might make more money off that these the, the fast yeah, food Robbie, companies want you to make I mean, that. if you had a company it's the same thing with like addictions with things so you would trade food that you know that when a person eats it they're they're going to be hungry hours later and they're going to keep wanting to consume that and they're going to keep wanting to consume that same product because of the way, <clears throat> excuse me, the way it makes them feel because it's packed with sugars, right? Not with good fats and things like that that make you feel satiated. You don't need to eat for a long time. So it, it becomes like a food addiction of sorts. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the companies produce the food that way. Make more you know? money. Yeah. That's they a- make more money that way, you know? It's a business so, model. Yeah. I mean, the lines are always packed at McDonald's or the Tim Hortons, I mean, without fail doesn't matter. I mean, during COVID, you think people like that, none of that was being preached about our health and our immune system, which is one of the number one things that help fight off disease and viruses and help you recover from things when you do get sick or a virus is your immune system. Nobody's ever talked about that. Mm -hmm. You know, they, 
it's not brought up. It's not, it's not focused on. And yet like the McDonald's drive-thrus and Tim Hortons are constantly packed and people are still feeding themselves full of shit. You know, it's like, it's just an ass backwards way of thinking, or it's people just don't know. And I think a lot of people don't know. And I don't think the companies want people to know, you know, the general public to know, you know, and they don't want us talking six feet apart. Stay away. Don't, don't sit around people that are not from your household, because if you do, you might get to talking. We don't want you talking. So I got to ask you this because we are getting a chance to talk um, through this medium. If you could give the people listening some advice on how to boost your immune system. Cause I, I believe you, you've, taken some time and researched and you know you you know what you're talking about as as far as it goes with this uh with this health stuff um what uh, what are a few things that I mean, you could that you could suggest to people that would uh, help boost immune system i remember early on when it first came out me and my girl were searching everything we we're like oh turmeric you know we need to we need to try turmeric and then her uncle sent her like uh water with silver in it or something like you yeah, drink it out. Silver. yeah, yeah. i was like what well, well, yeah. is some fucking voodoo shit like what's going on here but uh well, use yeah. for you years i used to travel with it too i used to spray it on my because that's what they use like pre-antibiotic like back or where they had you know so pre-1900 like they would use silver to disinfect things that's what they would use like a colloidal silver or silver mm-hmm. so it, it does have disinfectant qualities and i used to travel with it when i used to do door-to-door sales too i'd have it in a spray and i would spray it on all my pillows and i get to a hotel because i'd stay in hotels mm-hmm. spray it all over the place and i would constantly consume it because i know i was in environments that weren't my own yeah and it just kept me healthy like i never got sick and i don't usually get sick i haven't had a cold and like i don't even remember like two and a half years three years and usually when i do it's like for a couple of days it just kind of hangs yeah. on and then then it goes away I'm the you know, same. or I get a fever or it just comes on really strong. I get a fever and it goes away, but I haven't had that for a very long time. I mean, I, there's just simple things that I do that I know work for me is one is getting a, a really high quality and you have to pick high quality and you have to research these companies, which is easy to do. It doesn't take up that much time is, is zinc. Mm-hmm. Uh, magnesium is really big. Okay. Some sort of vitamin C supplement. Uh, ester C is usually the best, most bioflavored. It's a, uh, it, your body absorbs it the fastest. I do colloidal silver. There's science, some science behind it. Some people don't. There's you know no science behind it, but I've found that it works for me. Uh, getting the proper sleep, yeah, and your diet plays a huge role in that, and especially fats. Like I consume a lot of healthy fats, like omega threes and omega sixes, which you can get from various sources. I do a pumpkin oil that you get right off of Amazon that's organic, and I do flax that's organic. I used to do a tablespoon in the morning, tablespoon at night. Uh, I try to get a lot of healthy fats from really good meats. Like grass-fed meats are usually the best mm-hmm. because they're the highest in omega-3 and omega-6. It makes sense because the animals are eating they're eating grass and not eating being force-fed grain. Yeah. You know, which for beef is really not the best thing for them either. For them, it doesn't it, they're when they're force-feeding them, making fat like that, that's an unhealthy animal. You know, yes, the meat, the flavor, you know, tastes better and oftentimes and but it's not you're you're consuming a meat that from an animal that's not healthy. And yes, we do sell grain finished beef, and we cater to that customer. And and I enjoy a good steak that's been grain finished. And you know, but I for my overall day to day, I try to consume uh, grass fed beef just because I know it's a lot healthier for me. And and there's a lot of other things too why that's a good thing too. So sustainability reasons too. And uh, a ton of water. And then another thing that I love is I drink and i have for years now is i just take water bottles that we get 
and I fill them with uh, green tea matcha. So matcha powder that's organic, mm-hmm. that's a, a good quality, and I consume that constantly because I find coffee with me doesn't work well. I, I feel like coffee with me, I drain, it drains my adrenal glands, and Same. it just I get these up and down, and I'm constantly tired by the end of the day, and I can't do anything that I need to do, and I need to perform at a really high level running a business constantly constantly that's been you know it's a bootstrap or a small business we're still in a growth stage so uh the matcha green tea is great too so i mean there's just those simple things and exercise you know it's just simple things good sleep exercise good nutrition supplementation water you know hydration and those are basic core things that you know there's no magic pill or anything like that it's a holistic approach that you have to use Mm -hmm. and and at all angles (laughs) Yeah. And also not overeating. So, you know, that's one thing too. I, I try not to overeat. I try to portion out things. So, you know, I mean, either I do intermittent fasting and I eat a lot within a short period, or I eat smaller meals constantly throughout the days and mostly protein rich that I know I'm going to get a lot of fats from and proteins. Now I have ADHD. So with my type of brain type, I find, especially when I eat beef, it totally has this like calming satiating feeling. So if I'm really hungry or I'm stressed and I'm, you know, I haven't eaten, and then I go to eat like a really nice grass-fed beef, like a steak, and I go to eat that. It's instantly I just get this mellow, satiated, you know, feeling. It takes away. It's and I believe it's all the different vitamins and minerals in it because beef has a lot of minerals that you're not going to get in plants, mm-hmm. no matter what you do, or you have to consume a shit ton. And that's why a lot of people that are on these vegan diets are preaching it. Like you have to do that correctly, and it's very irresponsible for a lot of people to be preaching these diets without not preaching the supplementation that you have to do. That's necessary because of the things that you don't get from plants or you'd have to eat way too much, you know, way more than you could probably consume based on a person's normal person's busy schedule that you would get from, uh, that you get from meat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so those are things that I do that I find that work best for me. So those are all great, great, great suggestions. Amazing, amazing stuff. So people listening, try it out. I know it's hard because there's there's so many, it seems like there's so many things that you can cover, but step one step at a time, you know, change, change up little things in your diet if you can, get a little bit of exercise in, you know, the the silver water. I mean, if you can get that, get that, that's, it, that might help too. And anything. You, uh, you know what? Uh, you just alluded to something. It, it's start with when you're on a path, to something that requires a holistic approach and many variables, you just start with one thing. Mm -hmm. So, and just focus on mastering that one thing and then add the other thing, you know, so maybe it's exercise at first and then you, you master that and you grow that and then it's supplementation. And then you start, you add that layer, you know, then it's the diet and the way you eat the meat and how much you consume. And then you start there and you just continue to add those layers. Because if you try to do something where you're just like, I'm going to do it all, I'm changing everything. Mm-hmm. How many people do you know that actually follow through with that when they take that approach? Like nobody really. So it just doesn't work. We're not wired that way, no. you know, to do that. And it's self-defeating. No, one step at a time. Yeah. Slow, slowly get there, slowly get there one step at a time. 
And uh, I wanted to ask you one knock at a time too. You said earlier on that you did uh, door-to-door sales. Is that stuff that you've done for this company or is that something that you did uh, prior for other ones? And what, what was that experience like? Because I'm, I'm always interested yeah. to know. I've done a little bit myself. I used to sell vacuums back in the day for a company called Rainbow. And I would go yeah, door-to-door. And, yeah. and like I loved it because I killed it. Like I believed in the product a lot and I could get into the homes and be like, boom, 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 show them how it is, make it a cool experience. Experience and they'd be like, I want one. How much is it? I'm like X amount. They'd be yep. like, damn. And then boom, I get it and get some money. So I enjoyed that. What, uh, what, what's what been your experience like um, so, doing that? I'll give you a little background. On my So in my early 20s, I got into throwing. I, I love techno and house music. So I, I got okay. into throwing raves and I did that till I was about 27 to about 2000. So from 93, I kind of started getting into it through my first show in 96 and then ended in 2000. So, and we did shows on quite considerable big shows. And I still have friends that are still doing that on a higher level and have remained in the business. And it's totally morphed and changed and, and become a real business, you know, before it was very underground. And uh, I got out in 2000, went back to school for a couple of years and then, I had a friend that, or acquaintance that said, hey, I'm doing this new thing. We're going to sell meat door to door. Like, why don't you come down and try it out? I know you're just in school right now and you're not knowing what you want to do. So I went back to school for two years, got bored and didn't really know what to do. I was going to quit school. And, and uh, I said, okay, I'll come down. And, you know, I was like, I didn't really, it was like, all right, whatever. I didn't really have anything to do. And, I'll, you know, at that point I would look at anything and, when I got down there, the guy that was managing that particular shop, he was a old friend that was really good friend in high school that we went to school with each other, lost touch. And we knew each other immediately. I mean, we used to hang out on a regular basis and then just completely lost touch for some reason. And he's like, Oh, John L this guy named Dallas. And he's like, you're going to go with me today. So, and I'm going to show you how to, I'm going to make a thousand dollars today. I was like, all right, bro, whatever. <laughs> sure. So, we went out and in four hours I watched this guy and I just mimicked and mirrored him and didn't say a word, just shut up and helped him and bring me in. And I watched him make a thousand bucks and just, it was like magical to me. So second day I got my own truck, went out and sold like three cases of meat, made like 150 bucks or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Whatever. It's not what I, I thought I could do better. And, and, uh, but I just continued to do that and I started to make a lot of money and I became a national sales trainer and worked for two of the top companies. These are owners that had multiple offices nationwide in the United States. And, and, uh, I got to work in like 35 U S states. I've sold me and you could, I've seen everything you can imagine. Like you really get to know people when you're in their home mm-hmm. and you're talking to them, like, oh, yeah. you know, Old, young, white, black, you know, Midwest, Southern, you know, West Coast, you know, Northern, you know, Texas, you know, Southwest. So I've worked, I've worked almost everywhere. And we used to go and we used to venture out to like every little nook and cranny too, because we would take these road trips and try to drive out like, you know, two hours out, small towns and where they had limited access to grocery stores. And, you know, those were usually the honey holes if they have been touched by other meat guys. So, and, uh, that I learned a lot from that. And when I, so I'll, I'll lose what happened. We, we moved to Canada 
in 2010. I couldn't live here legally, so I went back in the field and I worked for another so two and a half, almost three years, where I would be away from home and work for three months, come home for like a couple weeks to a month, maybe. And I did that for three years. And then I got my permanent residency in about 2014. I was allowed to live here legally. And the whole time I had in my mind that I'm going to do this here in Canada because I would drive around these neighborhoods and be like, there's no fucking meat guys here. Like we would kill it. Like in these virgin areas that we thought, I thought it was going to be like the U.S. Because in the U.S. with virgin areas, you'd oftentimes go in there and you could make like, like, for example, when the oil boom came about, and we started going from Denver into Wyoming, and it was like it, it was like taking candy from Bay. It was so easy. It was like we, in three hours, I'd make like two grand cash, you know, like non-recordable cash, you know, just in my hand. And uh, you know, it was like I thought this is going to be the same thing. So my whole goal was when I was on the road was to try to. What I finally got me for residency here in Canada was to start a door-to-door meat business. So didn't know how I was going to do that. They didn't have the same kind of products here as they did in the States. There's a whole industry behind that there where there's certain uh, packing houses, like two in Chicago that produce for the whole industry and ship nationwide. And it's massive like industry. And uh, I finally convinced we had, okay, let me start here. We, we started this, or I started this Facebook page called meat man. It was like for all the door to door guys across the nation. And it started to get really big all the brokers were on there, some of the owner, business owners, the meat guys, and we would post our deals on there all day. And like what we do, it was like, you know, it was like a big dick contest, like constantly, like, oh, I just dropped 10 cases in the house. I just, we got 120 boxes up, for, you know, in one day. I got 500, you know, like mm-hmm. 300 boxes up for the week. Like, you know, if you were a 300 box guy, like you did that consistent week in, week out, you were a pimp. Like you were just, you know, you were good at what you did. And, and you were getting money. So we were posting our deals too. It wasn't just that you would sell that meat and not get money for it. Like you weren't cheaping your case. If you get, if you get big money for your meat and sell that much, then you really like not too many guys can do that week in and week out nonstop. Mm -hmm. And so I was one of those guys that could do that. And so I started hitting up these brokers that I knew that I, you know, Hey man, I'm moving to Canada. You guys know that I'm from Canada, but I'm down here working. And can you guys ship up to Canada? So this took like six months. So I had two brokers that worked on it. Finally, when I got my permanent residency and I was down there working in the States, one of the brokers called me and said, hey, we got export labels. We can ship meat. You know, go get a truck. You're going to have to get a truck, find a cold storage, and we'll ship the meat. So I came back home. And it was funny because I got my work permit. And I didn't tell my wife that. That was what I wanted. Well, I mean, I kind of alluded, kept alluding that's what I wanted to do. She wanted me to just get a regular job. I went and applied for Gordon Food Service, beat out like two other, 200 other Canadians, got the sales job, started off making like 60 grand a year, bonuses, all sorts of stuff. And and she was so excited. And I just, I remember coming home from the interview going, um, no, I don't want to do this. You know, it's, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go work for a couple more weeks. I think they're going to get the meat. We're going to get, she's like, we don't even have a truck. You don't have a business. You don't have anything. It's like, don't worry about it. We're going to make it happen. And so I was on the road and they're like, you know, they uh, said, okay, we're good. We're ready to go get home. So I got home. I found a cold storage. They shipped me in the cold storage. We had no, we came to Canada, Robbie. We had nothing like, like five boxes full of stuff. We were living at my niece, my niece's basement in Canada, which is a suburb here, Ottawa. Yeah. 
And uh, we had maybe at that point, like $2,000 in our name, you know, and I couldn't work. So like, we're really limited choices on what we're going to do. And my wife started, I helped her create this little house cleaning business where she was going to clean houses and, and uh, you know, under the table just for doing that for to make money, you know, and we had nothing. And so I said, how are we going to get a truck? My wife's like, well, I just got a Walmart credit card. I really don't want to spend it on that for like $2,000 balance or something. And I go, no, we're going to go down to Nissan. I picked out what truck I want, a little Nissan Envy. We're going to put that as a down payment so we can get, we can get credit. And so sure enough, they finance us. And then I convinced the guy to go to Thermal King and buy these, this thing called the cold cube. That's a slip-in unit. That's a freezer that runs off of the inverter mm-hmm. and put it into the back. Really slick little unit that they use in Europe and things like that for small deliveries like inner city. And I uh, researched that too. And they're like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll finance that for you too. We'll make it a part of the same package. I was like, cool, that's good to go. And so th- I was just winging it at this point. So that's where it all started. I got my truck. I came back from New York. My truck was ready. Like I was down there working with a guy doing door to door. They told me his truck was ready. Came back, picked up my first load from cold storage, had it shipped into the cold storage and just started doing door to door here in Canada. Now that was much different experience than in the States it wasn't the kind of like impact. It wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. It was actually really hard. Mm-hmm. Like Ottawa was the hardest place I've ever worked doing door to door sales. And I was good. Like I'd worked in 35 us states. I just couldn't get it. Like people were not receptive here to that as they were in the States. And it's not like they'd seen 10 meat men at their door and bought and crap meat and been burned and, you know, had drug addicts in their house and stole from like a lot of these meat companies like attracts a lot of guys that are, you know, are not, there it's a cash business so you can imagine it's cash business where you don't have to be that bright and you if you're good at just hustling you can like you don't have to have a degree and stuff and you can make big money so it enabled end up enabling a lot of guys behaviors you know that weren't that had problems and issues mm-hmm. so i uh started selling meat to door to door to door created home food solutions that was my first company in 2013 created some flyers got this kid to create a 500 dollars website the website was more for just informational purposes, and I wasn't really selling much off there at the time, just doing the door-to-door. And then uh, I'll move forward about six to eight months, and we're in 2014. And uh, – or no, it's like end of 2013. My first winter hit here, and we had this thing called the polar vortex winter. or was a storm, polar vortex storm. And it was negative 40 out. I had never experienced anything like that. I told my wife, wow. I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go hit bars and businesses and go sell. And I mean, this was like a survival mode. It was day to day and it wasn't <laughs> easy. And it was very hard here. I was I was used to making 500 to $1,000 a day, especially in a virgin territory. Even in a hard territory, I could still go make 300 bucks a day. You know, and things are more expensive here in Canada than they are in the States too. So it was like complete survival mode. So I went out for about literally like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, came back and said, there's no way I can do this. Like, this is crazy. So at the time I was starting to join all these Facebook garage sale groups and stuff like that, because I was always good at doing side hustles and buying things and selling them. I thought, you know what? I just shits and giggles. I'm going to take pictures of the meat. I just had a, I had a beef pack from the States at the time. I had a, a pork pack. I didn't even have any chicken, even though I had it on the website. We're, oh, it's coming. We're going to get it. The same mimic like brochure that I had in the States for selling door-to-door because it was the same kind of product setup. And uh, I put on there uh, Polar Vortex Special. 
and posted the pictures of the meat on there and it it went like gangbusters it was crazy it was like people were messaging me and then i you know i set up appointments and uh light bulb went off so i started joining all these groups every little group that i could find in every little city around ottawa they all have their own little garage sale group and just kept start posting every week then i created a facebook page and uh, our farm to fork facebook page and then i started redirecting people to that to start building that up and then i thought okay this is getting bigger now my facebook page why don't i just start doing this on my facebook page and just do an organic post and back then the organic reach was still was really good on facebook and uh so i started posting the same things doing the groups and my facebook page and then i started to have a following and also there was been an evolution of the product too so the oil dropped out uh I can't remember what year it was, like 2015, somewhere right around there. And so the dollar, you know, the Canadian dollar used to be almost on par. And now it was like shooting, it was going way lower. And the dollar was, it was gaining value against Canadian dollar. So it made no more sense to get the meat from the States anymore. Plus, I didn't want to do that either. It wasn't the same kind of product that I wanted to sell. This was not the best product at all. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a guy little local guy that had a slaughterhouse and near Smith Falls about 20 minutes or 30 minutes from Ottawa where we're at. And I said, Hey, can you replicate this? And he's like, sure. He's like, get the boxes and send them here. So I got, I went to a box company, showed him what I wanted to do, the same setup as I had in the States. And I created these variety packs that were these one for beef, one for chicken, one for pork. And then I ended up creating one for seafood too, that I packed myself. And it was one box, the beef box. That's what we started off with. And we still have these signature. They're called our farm to fork signature variety packs for beef, chicken, pork, and seafood. And they had sleeves in them. So you'd have like the beef pack would have six boxes in there. And they'd be all labeled individuals because it was easy in a door-to-door setup. You could just take that whole master case, bring it into the house, start taking the single boxes out, start stacking them. And depending on if it was a single person or like an older person, you would stack them up. If it was a family, you'd lay them all down on the floor to make it look like it was a vast amount of meat. It was just like a whole psychology of everything. And uh, this, uh, the company, the slaughterhouse in Smith Falls started replicating the product just in the nick of time because they weren't going to be able to export meat anymore. It wouldn't have made sense. It would have cost me a shit ton of money. You know, I'd be losing like 30 cents on the dollar at the time, I believe. And uh, so we started working with that that small slaughterhouse, and then we just kept evolving from there, growing, growing. And then I got a, a appointment with Derma Meats with Joe by Cisco in Toronto, and I went there, and I'm like, dude, I'm just this little door-to-door guy. My seafood guy that owned the La Points got bought out by Cisco, and he's like, dude, just go there. They're, they are looking for meat to cut for people, and I'm like, dude, they're Cisco Foods. They're like a publicly trained international company, like, you know, international company. They're not going to take me on. So I went out to Toronto, brought my little products that I had that the little the slaughterhouse was doing at the time, or we involved to another company where the slaughterhouse was getting their meat, this other little small packing house in way out in Alexandria. And uh, sure enough, I was able, I sat in a boardroom with these guys, the GM and everything, was able to sell them on the fact that what I was doing, gave them over my numbers. And they're like, okay, we'll work with you. We'll take a chance. And, and then that's what really blossomed and growed and grew and we've just continued to evolve from there. And, you know, we went from just being in Ottawa uh, to Ottawa surrounding to, you know, I kept getting people from Montreal wanting to come out there and kept seeing our, I kept joining groups out there and they were seeing stuff on the web, like on our website. 
we still didn't even have a proper website, Robbie. Like I was doing everything through Messenger. So each week I had our our Facebook page had grown a lot by then. We had 10,000 people somewhere right around there. So I totally stopped doing the groups and they stopped working anyways. So I would do like, you know, a grocery store has like a weekly flyer. I would type out these massive like posts <laughs> had little icons and our different collections and what we're offering. And then I would take pictures of the product and it was so time consuming and laborious, but it worked. And then people would just message me, John, I want this, this and that. Uh, here's the address. And I would just write stuff on sales sheets. Like it was all like nothing was automated or digital or anything at the time. And then that's where all the sales came from. And 10% maybe came from my little hokey website. You know, it was created for 500 bucks from this kid. And 2017, 2018, we actually did like 700 to 800,000 sales. Uh, 700,000 wow. in 2017, 2018. Yeah, no help. Just me doing everything. That's amazing. And all through Messenger, using Facebook Messenger. Facebook actually came a year ago and they were promoting in different cities. They wanted to promote Facebook ads and digital marketing and important business. We got called up by Facebook and said, you know, interviewed like, hey, we're coming to Ottawa. We're going to interview like 200 businesses and tell us our story. And so I told them the story about how I wasn't even using Facebook paid ads at the time, or I think I kind of had started but it was all through messenger and they were blown the fuck away. They were like, how did you do that? And how did you manage that? I said, well, I just did it because I had to yeah. and know any other way. I still had to run this business. It was that or stop awesome. doing the business. You're a hustler. And I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to keep figuring it out, you know? So, and, uh, last year we, and this is after going through, I had made some money, saved, lived simple. Uh, we lived really simple still. And uh, 2017, 2018, I built up some money. I invested some of that money in some stocks and stuff, did pretty well and had that money. And I started in two, beginning of 2018, wanted to build a website. And uh, I went through two companies, got ripped off for literally went through $40,000 in website money and didn't have a website. What a terrible experience. At this point, I'm just upset. I had a, uh, it, it kind of funny how, you know, I, I'm a believer. So it's like how God works. Like the last website that we were $18,000 in with this guy that was a Shopify specialist on Shopify site, I thought there's not, something's wrong here. I had one of my customers, Michelle, that owns Venture Creative from her husband. And uh, she said, well, we do website audits for you. Let's do a website audit. It's like 200 bucks. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll do it they brought back all the shit that was wrong with the website and the coding and stuff that like, I don't speak that language. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't know what coding is. I don't want to go in the back end and recode and yeah. or even know how to get back there. And so she brought that to my attention. I totally was just like, this point I was just so upset. Like I spent so much money. It was my money, not borrowed money too, that I had made. And, uh, finally continue to have a conversation with Michelle and the bill from venture creative. And they're like, Jonelle, you know what? We'll help you create a site. Yes, it's going to be about $20,000, but this is what it's going to include. And it's going to include all the sales automation, all the stuff that they didn't even include in this, all the SEO, everything. And we're going to take care of you. And I'm like, you know what? What do I got to lose? Like, I, and I only had a little bit of money left too at this point, mm -hmm. you know, savings. That was my, my money without borrowing. And so I went for it. We had a new website that came up or that was created at the end of last year. Uh, last year though, 2019, the sales dropped, went down to like 600,000, like, and I was barely surviving. And I'm like, I was at the point wanting to give all this up. 
And I thought, okay, I'm going to create the website and uh, we're going to all the sales, fancy sales automation that I didn't understand at the time. But now I know what it, how it does, what it does and how it operates and how important it is for a business to be fully automated digitally. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, we created the website. We got into the end of the year. The business still was not doing good. And I thought, these are all the things I needed that I didn't have before that I was just doing through messenger and all these tasks. And, you know, we didn't have proper ads set up and everything else. And I was just starting to learn all that. And I started to have some ads that were through Facebook that were properly done. And, and, uh, I, uh, was about to give it up in January and I was going to sell the business. And then, you know, I, most I could probably get out of it was like 150,000, And then all of a sudden, you know, then I moved, also moved into a new space that was one of the best things I could have done. So we had a new warehouse because we were partnered with another company and we we're sharing this smaller walk-in freezer that I bought also out of pocket. And we we're just starting to outgrow each other. So I moved into a new place, finally convinced this company to let me move in there. They were building this whole new cold storage. That's where we're at today. Now a year and a half later, and um, the uh, COVID hit and it projected us into a whole nother, we were ready. So let's just put it that way. We were ready. We had all the systems in place. We were able to scale really fast. We had the warehouse to scale in, you know, to, to maneuver in. And, and then the whole time they kept telling me to shift your focus, John L. Quit being so sales minded too. Like the, the, you always got to run a sale and race to the bottom and always offering something to get people to buy. Said you have good products, you have good service, you have good reviews, and you need to be a top of the funnel business. I didn't know what that meant. And then so now I know what that means because we took all the sales down. We only run three sales a year. year. We're going to do a Black Friday sale, but the, uh, and then we started offering special offers and features every week through email marketing Mm -hmm. instead. And so I envisioned us as like a, you know, Nordstrom is in the States, you know, Canadians aren't as familiar with that, but they're like a top of the funnel business. They're known for their service, their quality, uh, you know, and that's what you get to the end. The prices are more, but you get all the other experience along with that, you know, so, and that's why people shop there. So they would pick that over when, you know, department, now everything's going digital, but that was, you know, when department stores were really big, you know, like everybody, Nordstrom was like the top of the chain, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so that's where we've kind of morphed to now. And then, you know, it's just, it gave me really, COVID really gave me a chance to really shift my whole mentality and very thankful. We've been very successful and also allow us now to grow. And we're going to be opening in Toronto at the end of, beginning of next year or the end of this end of December. And then we're going to be, my goal now is to expand this across Canada and go for it, you know, because now we're starting to get attention to from other companies that are looking to probably three or four conversations now with other companies are like, we're getting their attention. You know, what do you guys do? What we might be interested in acquiring you or partnering. So, you know, we're not there yet. I know there's much more potential to the business. So, and I know I've rambled on now for a long time, but, you get me talking no, about you gave my business. Me the, the story, man. You gave me the life story. I like it. <laughs> from the life story, from the from the beginning to to now, you know, it's been a complete, always faith day to day, always like you get up every day, and, like you don't know what to expect and what's going on. And there's so many other variables, so many other things I didn't tell you about the business, and I, I that's what entrepreneurs go through, you know, mm-hmm. constantly. And, and you yeah. have to be constantly in that state of awareness where you got to be always vigil. There's no such thing as coasting. 
You're growing or you're dying. You know, that's it. There's no coasting. No so, coasting, no coasting, and no giving so, up too. Like the, like you said no. yeah, at the beginning of the year, you were going through that time. Like that probably was the the hardest time. Like what, where were, you, where was your mind state when you're just like, you know, I feel like this is this is I've worked so hard to to come this yeah. far, and like, is is it what is this even worth it? Like, like what the hell? Like, where is the end goal here? Where where is the end game? And then somehow you're able to to pull it together and and keep going. Like those are the those are the hardest times as entrepreneurs and most people. Um, you know, just going through life, struggling with situations like you're going to be met with times of defeat and times where you feel like the whole thing is just going to fall out from underneath you. And, and, you know, when you were able to pull that together, like what, what, what was it that gave you the courage to just say, we're going to, we're going to go. It's so risky to take all that savings and just say, Hey, we're going to put it in. Let's build this new website. Let's see what let's, let's try. Oh, it's been friends since the beginning. I mean, it's, it's been, and it's caused a lot of stress in my house and, you know, we've had, you know, huge arguments that were involved and had to do with that about me wasting money and we could have used that towards a house and we could have done this and we could, you know, and it's like, no, we're just going to keep going. We're going to trust, like we're going to have faith. And, you know, I, I've never really talked about this, but I got all during that time too, Robbie, I got sober. So coming out of the whole, rave amazing throwing raves and being a rave promoter i got involved in drugs and drank a lot and after i got out of that 2000 my idea was like oh because i want to step away from all that too you mm-hmm. know i wasn't as hardcore into it so i thought you know but as an as a person that had struggled with addiction it, it, it just continues like it just continues to snowball it doesn't get any it's not like you get better and you you know you can back off of that if you're an addict and then just do a little bit or you know so it i dealt with that whole struggle for years during that whole time too uh went into from 2000 all the way till about literally 2013 so for 13 years i struggled with addiction alcohol i would drink i was a binger go do drugs and then uh you know that whole escape mentality self-sabotage victim and so I had to, when we came to Canada too, and I went back in the field and I was, you know, still working doing door to door, I was susceptible to a lot of shit because you're around a lot of shit. And that was always something in the back of my mind, you know, around other guys that were, you knew were using and, you know, coming into the office and they're high and fucked up and, you know, been up all night. And I, uh, end up relapsing, like, you know, probably three or four times kind of at the tail end everything when we came to Canada and, and, but I was relapsed. I was out in the field. It took my wife to tell me it wasn't something where I went to like a rehab or anything like that. It was, you know, I already had been to rehab three times. It didn't do anything to me or I didn't, you know, I got out and I'm abusing three months later. So I, uh, it took my wife telling me like, Hey, you can't come home and live here in Canada be with your family. If you don't get sober. You know, so you got it. You better figure this fuck out and do what you got to do. So I was like, that just clicked. So I was very vigil uh, for that year after until I came here, so I could live here permanently. Where it was like, I was very careful. I was either on the road working, in a meeting on like an NA meeting on Sunday, whatever city I was in, whether it was Denver, went to meetings, Albuquerque, uh, you know, other cities that I went to too, and and. I was like, man, I really want, really want this. So I think that whole thing, and that, that took a lot of will 
and face to beat that after being so involved in that for so many years, like since the mid nineties and, you know, on and off. And I believe that combined, like I thought, okay, if I can do this, I can beat this. Anything I do now, like it's not that hard, you know, it's not that hard. You know, if I want to quit, that was the hardest. That was the fucking hardest. And it's just something that clicked and it went off and now it's not, you know, it's been, I'm eight years clean. You know, I don't drink. I don't, I don't do any, I've done any drugs. You know, I'm not against drinking. I still appreciate, I always love really fine wines and top shelf liquor and things like that that were unique and craft made. And, you know, and I still appreciate all that. And, and I'm okay with other people doing it that can do it. You know, I can't. And, uh, you know, the only thing I still do, I do now is, which I didn't do before was a little bit, was cannabis. So, and I do that in a respectful way though. I do it at night for pain and I use CBD, which is not even, there's no THC involved in that, but I, you know, I use a little bit of cannabis at night for THC and I don't do that all the time too. I have to respect that. You know, it's like, I have to be in the right place, right timing, but you know, and, and I don't consider that a drug like no, alcohol no, it's, and it's medicine. And, no, it's, it's not it's addictive. It's not, it's medicine. Yeah. yeah we, I've come to respect it as medicine. Yeah, and I even look at it now, like when you start to feel a certain way on cannabis that you, you're getting anxiety or pains or things are coming up or your mind's going right. You know, that's usually the cannabis exposing what is underneath and that's underneath there that you need to fucking deal with. You yeah, know, totally. it's just bringing it to light, you know? So if it's, I'm starting to feel all these ways about things and you know, when I'm, when I'm, you know, right before I go to bed and the cannabis hit me, like what, I don't even consider it the wrong way. I it's going to the right way because it's starting to expose shit that I'm probably not dealing with, that I need mm-hmm. to deal with, you know, that I need to get down to the root of it and deal with it. So, you know, super I know I'm getting important. off track here again, but no, that's, no, that's uh, super important. Yeah. yeah. So I looked at it, somebody said something on a podcast and said it that way. And it like, just, it made me look at it totally different. Like, you know, now I respect it. Now I realize that that's not a negative thing when I'm feeling that way. Yeah. That paranoia or that, that anxiousness that people get sometimes. No. Yeah. There's a reason for it for sure. My mom had it recently, even with CBD. I just gave her, um, we're working with this new company called herbal bliss and they've got a lot of great CBD products. And I gave her some tincture. She tried it the other night and she was having dreams for the first time since she was a child. And, and okay. it scared her because she had a nightmare. And she's like, I haven't had nightmares like that since I was a kid. And I was like, that's a good thing. You're breaking through. Like, that's doing something that's yeah. good for you. So, you know, I'm I'm like, explore that a little bit in cannabis. Same thing. There's something to it that just can unlock these different pockets inside our minds and, and bring things up for us emotionally and spiritually that, that can help us grow. So I'm, I'm a big proponent in that. And I, I strongly... Um, you know, push cannabis products and, and CBD as well. Just, I think it's, it's really great. Um, we got to cut this short in a, in like a minute here. Cause I got another one okay. that, uh, that's lined up here, but man, it has been so incredible, uh, Janelle to, uh, to talk to you, to hear your story, your, your, your life story. That was awesome. And I'm, and I got to say as well, congratulations on the sobriety eight years. That's incredible. And it's so hard to, uh, you know, to, to be able to, to get out of that hole that you were in. And I think this story is going to well that's the part of the story to have to come yeah. here to Canada with nothing beat sobriety start a business from nothing and do this all blindly was just I don't know where I I know that if I can do that and you know it's like other people can do things too I'm not special like you know yeah. now we're running a company that's going to be projected to do two million dollars this year with 40 percent margins and and I'm not that's huge and we're going to continue to grow and like that came out of nowhere I didn't even graduate high school I didn't you know 
yeah, I've edu- self-educated, but it's not, you know, you can, if you have a will, you have faith and you step out, like you, you, I can, the things that you can imagine you can do, you know, and I know that sounds like a cliche. No, that's, I believe it. Manifest. I'm, living, I'm living it. So like, you, you know, I, I always tell myself I'll end with this, that if I don't do anything else, you know, or if I die tomorrow, I'd be happy that I came out of addiction, got sober, was able to at least accomplish this, to walk in my house and I have nice things and I can eat well and I can do, you know, enjoy like little things. I don't need a Lamborghini. I don't need a Ferrari. I don't need that. That shit doesn't, you know, it's cool, but it doesn't, what was happiness for me is to come home every day and see, look around me and go, holy fuck, I was living in a shithole in California and <laughs> about to lose my shit and go to probably go to prison and jail and lose my kid and everything, you know, and, and now I'm here you know, how did I get here? You know? So, and it's not, hasn't been that long of time either, you know? So I do believe that, you know, if you, you know, if you definitely, if you have faith and you step outside of yourself and you kill your ego, that those things, a lot of stuff can, you can accomplish a lot of things in life that'll give you peace and and joy and, and also allude and also be able to share with others and help them too. So beautiful, beautiful. That's that's I I can't think of a better way to end it right there. That was incredible. Cool. That's that's beautiful advice for people. Life advice right there. Um. Yeah. Keep keep doing what you're doing. We'll definitely have to do another one uh in the future and and continue on this same same wavelength here because I love what you're what you're talking about about you know just manifesting your life and you are a living proof that you you made it happen and you you came from from nothing and made something of yourself and you know congratulations again. So yeah, congratulations on the two million projected sales as well for this year i can only see you guys grow and you might do you know 10x that next year who knows so keep it up all right thanks robbie really appreciate the opportunity i hope the best for you on this tour i'm sure you'll do well and i hope to connect in the future and us to be able to work on some things too so definitely i don't know what those things are yet but i know we will 100 percent. much respects Joe. All right, brother thank you and Take for everyone care. listening to check out farm to fork um is it dot dot ca uh, farm to fork delivery, farm to fork delivery.ca on Instagram. We're farm to fork delivery and on Facebook, we're farm to fork. That's where you can find us. We're very active on social media. Awesome. All right. Much respects, Janelle. Have All a right. great day and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Take care, Robbie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. There you have it. That is the podcast with Janelle from farm to fork. Uh, incredible guy inspirational story that he just gave us there hope you guys enjoyed the podcast more of them coming soon peace love and respects